Hey, everybody! It is Yasser! I forgot my line. I'm just kidding. It's Isaiah! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We are from my brother Sneaker, and we've got a little announcement. We are teaming up with a podcast app called Spoke to give you three exclusive uh, episodes. Uh, Spoke is a new audio platform made by SiriusXM that creates podcast playlists to help you find new shows to listen to. The Spoke team handpicks the best moment from a ton of podcasts and creates playlist clips from a bunch of shows. And you can just search and try them out and find anything that you love. For instance... Oh, yeah. There's a playlist on there uh, called Slice of Life, which is all about like crazy, incredible things that happen to everyday people. Like, I just learned this, bro. I just learned some people pay their bills on time, dog. Oh, is that a thing? Dog, people will have a bill due date and they will pay that bill before then. That's crazy to me. Before then. You know what else is crazy? What? Spook also has a a lot of fun, exclusive content from Feral Audio. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, like our tournament episodes, they're going to be, oh, like, yeah. you know, there's going to be stuff like Sleep With Me, a lot of our, our other great shows here at Feral. You don't want to miss it. Yep. Download Spoke now. It's free in the App Store or on Google Play. And be sure to check out all of my brother's sneakers exclusive Spoke episodes at hearspoke.com slash my brother's sneakers. Model boys, cute boys, round butt boys all day. Guys, finding quality denim jeans is tough. And to find a good pair without breaking the bank is just uh, almost impossible. But at Distilled, spelled D-S-T-L-D, you get like brand top quality jeans at a price that won't break your bank. And I know I said break the bank, but I like saying break the bank. And I'll say it again, break the bank. But just go to distilled.com, D-S-T-L-D.com right now and use the promo code FERAL and check out and get it. I 20% discount on your first pair. And these are great jeans. I love them. I wear them all the time. Heck, I sleep in them. Distilled jeans. They're the best jean you're ever going to wear. In fact, I shower in them. Distilled jeans. D-S-T-L-D. They're good quality, super duper denim. And, you know, it's not going to cost you like $200 or $100. Go to distilled.com. D-S-T-L-D.com. Do it. Get some jeans. Look cool. Hello, and welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. I'm really excited about this episode. Super excited. Um, but before I tell you what it is, I just I want to say that that music, the theme music there is Les Blanks. If you like that music, check out more, lesblanks.com. And I, uh, I'm really excited because today I have to speak with Lucien and Greaves, who is uh, part of the Satanic Temple. And I don't know if, uh, if you've heard this thing that was going on around in the news lately. It's still going on. Uh, but he and his people performed a pink mass over the grave of Fred Phelps, who founded the Westboro Baptist Church. He, they, over his mother's grave, uh, uh, a, a ritual that would turn her um, homosexual in the afterlife. Uh, and it has stirred up a lot of controversy, and I think it's awesome and hilarious. I'm not going to waste any time. We're just going to get right into this. Please enjoy this conversation now. 
you're, I don't know if in the rest of it, but in my social media feed, your story comes up, uh, it's constant, What? Uh, and it's been an ever-ongoing sort of saga. You, I guess we should go to what you did for those of my listeners who don't. <laughs> you uh, performed a pink mass over Fred Phelps's Mothers, who, of course, if people, I'm sure everybody knows who the hell Fred Phelps is, founder of Westboro Baptist Church. What exactly is a pink mass? Pink mass is a ceremony in which we had a couple homosexuals affirm their, uh, what would you say? I don't know. They made out and got all gay at her gravesite. Well, I officiated and said some words and everything else, and it was all very ceremonial, and I wore my horns and everything else. And uh, the point of which um, is the idea that now Fred Phelps' mother is gay in the afterlife. But the thing is, and something a lot of people haven't noted, even though I've told this to many of the interviewers, we don't actually believe in the supernatural What we're putting forward now is that we believe that due to his beliefs, we have obligated Fred Phelps to believe that his mother is gay in the afterlife. And nobody can challenge our right to believe that Fred Phelps believes that his mother is now gay. Does he he believe this actually happened, that his mother is... um... Might, might be getting... We believe that we believe that he must believe that his mother is gay, and he hasn't made any statement about that. Uh, Westboro Baptist spokesperson made a statement to the uh, to ABC, and all he said was that it didn't matter if we were dancing on graves or dancing in hot air balloons or some other thing. Um, homosexuality is a sin, and the wages of sin is death. And that just makes you wonder. If there's anything you can say, if there's any volume at which you could scream into their ears in which they would actually understand what you're saying to them, because it doesn't address the question at all. It doesn't address the question of homosexuality in the afterlife, of conscious thought in the afterlife. It does, they don't go anywhere that really explains their religious perspective in general, and where they fall on issues of supernatural belief and the second coming or whatever else. They're a broken record, and all they can say is that homosexuality is a sin, the wages of sin are death. And I guess it's just too confusing to them, the idea of gay in the afterlife, that um, they still hold to this mantra that wages of sin is death, even for the dead, apparently. So she she dies again, I guess? It's like... I, it... <laughs> Well, she's going to now. They seem to think that any time somebody dies, that it's because of homosexuality. I guess somebody just wouldn't die if they weren't homosexual. So we'll be waiting to see what happens to Fred Phelps. And then that's the only response they gave? There was no other... Yeah, it was a response that couldn't have matched the question. But um, I'm glad to see that they... They recently tweeted uh, the story that uh, the sheriff in Meridian, Mississippi, intends to arrest me and press charges. So Westboro Baptists are clearly paying attention to what's going on here. 
they're and they're trying to press charges for uh, uh, desecrating the grave, which isn't that sort of. Yeah, but what's interesting is a couple of days before they released an article, um, they released a statement and they said, at a minimum, that what I was looking at was trespassing, um, indecent exposure, and criminal mischief. And that was at a minimum, they said. And I was wondering how any of those fits exactly. And I was looking up the standards for those. Well, now, apparently none of those are, are at issue at all. And now they're opting for desecration of a grave. When they might as well have stuck with criminal mischief because it still does not fit. Um, if you look up any of the legal standards for desecration, it involves some type of material damage or vandalism. You have to damage the grave, you have to vandalize the grave, or it, it consists of digging up the grave, whether you're trying to harvest organs or, or whatever, collect bones, whatever you're doing. None of that happened. We left the cemetery exactly as we found it. Ours was a crime of expression, and it wasn't a crime at all. It's just that the sheriff was offended, and he feels he needs to be able to do something about it, and he's willing to contort the law in such a way to try to bring criminal charges against us because he was offended, and that's an abuse of authority. And uh, if he was being responsible, he would have told the offended people of Meridian, Mississippi, the truth. And the truth is that he's powerless to do anything about it, and that the same exceptions and exemptions that are enjoyed by the guys at the Westboro Baptist Church can be enjoyed by the Satanic Temple as well, uh, and it didn't matter how disgusted these people felt by the sentiment of it all. Yeah, it's interesting. It, within, within our country, there's, uh, there's when they say we have freedom of religion, it's a real narrow actual statement. <laughs> that statement is very narrow because it's like, it's not true. People who uh, of a variety of religions are not allowed to practice fully, and it's very discriminatory. Like, I mean, Satanism, I think, is wouldn't you say is very uh, misunderstood? Satanism is not only misunderstood; it's fairly newly created. Really, I mean, it's been it. We have this cultural background of this idea of Satanism. We have this long-running aesthetic of Satanism. We have all these things that were absorbed under the umbrella of what people perceive as Satanism, and these are elements, symbols, and everything else from various uh, uh, obscure religions and everything else. But Satanism, as as we know it, as is often described to us, is, does not have an unbroken tradition, a, a doctrine that we can look back at that goes back to biblical or pre-biblical times up into the present, although you might hear these asinine claims that it does. What we think we know about Satanism has always come from witch hunter mythology and the demonization of peoples. It's what we know now has been converted from blood libel against the Jews, even uh, even the more simple minds turn uh, the homosexual agenda into something similar to the satanic threat. So we've taken this symbolism, this idea, and we've turned it into, uh, we haven't really, you know, in a vacuum, turned it into to anything. Uh, Anton LaVey put together a doctrine of Satanism in the, in the 60s, 
and that's kind of a jumping off point for us also. And it, I feel it's important to have something like this out in the culture to actually do things in the name of faith because it is such a subjective term that it forces people to evaluate what we really mean by that kind of terminology, what it really means to be a Satanist. And it hopefully, to people who are astute enough to, to see this, uh, brings forward this uh, the reality that there is no inherent value on the label Satanism, and that, the, that to think so is a supernatural belief. Some people are simple enough that they feel like if whatever you're doing, if you call it Satanism, you're channeling the will of an actual red guy with horns on his head or whatever else named Satan, and that you can't possibly be doing positive deeds. And we've seen things like that when uh, a Christian uh, news outlet uh, posted a story about our bid for the Adopt a Highway campaign in New York City. And... Uh, a lot of the comments were of that variety where people felt that there was an inherent value on Satanism, and no matter what we ourselves even thought we were doing, we were going to be doing evil that was going to lead inexorably toward uh, murder, sacrifice, or whatever else. And that simply isn't true. And when we do these things, it's partially in mockery of those people. Yeah, it's, a, it's kind of amazing they don't pick up on that <laughs> it's like and because it's i mean I, I when i first read the article about the uh the uh, the pink mass it is now it was because part of me was like is this something that w the pink mass is that an actual existing satanic thing or was that i was like or is this just a created thing just to to fuck with uh the westboro Ma baptist church and, uh, well, we, we, we created it, yeah, but what's, what's been hilarious in the coverage is how some of these news sources just picked right up on it and so everybody knows what a pink mask is, you know. We, we released this idea of a pink mask and that we did the pink mask, and then we get these news stories popping up where it says, Satanists perform pink masks, and, and they say it without qualification, <laughs> you know. <it's, laughs> so now pink mask has just become this part of the vernacular, perhaps. I really don't. It's hard to know from the inside what the uh, what effect on the general culture this will have, but you, you Google up pink math now, you get tons of hits, and, and all generated from when we, we did this event, and you have polls online where people are asking, what do you think of the pink mass and things like that? So now it's become this thing. It's an actual, it's an actual event. So, um, so yeah. We created it, and it's a real thing now. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it, it shows a little bit of flaw in journalism, too, that nobody decided to see if that was, I mean, because it, it, to see if that was a pre-existing <laughs> thing. It just shows them getting, ex the media getting excited about, you know, ooh, Satan and Westboro, because I, I kind of partially... Well, you have to see the you have to see the news report from Meridian itself when they first... Uh, announced that charges were going to be filed against us. The, it's, it's a hilarious work of art because they, for one thing, seem to be talking about the ritual as though it's a fact. We turned his mother gay in the afterlife. So that alone is something surreal to see on, on, a, on a news outlet. You know, 
this idea that these these guys went to a cemetery and turned a woman gay in the afterlife, and that being reported in, in the straightforward manner, without any sense of irony and, and nobody uh, cracking a chuckle. But what was also remarkable to me is that the sheriff released a statement saying that it was an unusual crime and one that he has not come across in a long time. And I... Without what in the hell is he talking about? When has he come across this before? But that's the thing is if they want to press charges, you're, that seems like a, you guys are – you're in another state, so it's going to be pretty hard. Like they're not going to spend the thousands of dollars it is to to, to come after you to send you back to Mississippi for uh, a misdemeanor. Well, right, and it seems like uh... – if you just look at some of the comments on the articles, when we first performed the Think Mass and the and the news really started rolling in, um, the comments I was surprised then were largely in our favor. People were saying, "Oh, good, good job. This is uh, you know a relevant counter protest to the tastelessness of the Westboro Baptist Church and stuff like that." But there was still a uh, the sizable smattering of people saying this does no good and this makes these guys no better than uh, than Westboro Baptists and people were upset about it and for some reason assuming that we were um, staining the name of much broader categories like this makes all gay people look bad or whatever else and I really have no idea where these people get off thinking that I would even try to put myself forward as a spokesperson for a group that broad but or, or why we would legitimize other people who might think that we do. But um, but after the uh, sheriff announced that he was going to arrest us, you look and see the comments are pretty much universally in our favor. You know, they've, they've really rallied people behind us. So Huffington Post released a piece today, and it sounds like the sheriff has really tamped down his rhetoric. Um when he was saying, when they were earlier reporting that our arrests were imminent, now he seems to be saying that, um, you know, uh, he's filed charges and, and that I'll be arrested if I come back into Lauderdale County. And, uh, and that it is a misdemeanor offense and the charge would, would, would not involve any jail time, most likely be under $500 in, in a fine. And he's, he's come out and said that now, and I think it's in the midst of, of the type of criticism that that I've been laying out there, that it's, it's rather an abuse of authority in general to take a, an instance of expression and try to criminalize it because you're offended. Yeah, well, the good thing is it sounds like a part of the country no one would really want to revisit anyway. <laughs> so I think you're, I think you're safe. Uh, unless it wasn't bad. Uh, there's just not much there. The people we ran into were very nice. And in fact, one funny aside is that afterward we went to a restaurant and the bartender asked us what who we were and what we were doing there. It's still a small enough territory that somebody would ask. And while everybody else was scrambling for cover stories, I told them exactly who we were and what we had done. And um, wow. he laughed. He, he laughed and, and patted me on the back, and he did not believe a single word of it. <laughs> and he, he's the guy I've been wondering about since. He's, you know, I've been wondering what what he's made of this now. Yeah, it's, it's 
uh, it's probably some attention that town didn't expect to get. Do you now? Do you, yeah. Do you think? Because I've often questioned that the Westboro Baptist Church is a bit of a media-created problem because it's not a very. I don't. It's not a very big church, isn't it? Only forty members. Yeah, something something around that. Like for I, sure. I feel like if the press didn't give them so much attention, no one would give a shit. But it's like, um, and there's so many more newsworthy news. I can't speak. <laughs> it just seems like a very frivolous thing for the media to really spend that much time focusing on. Like in yeah, and so the thing is, is the ritual, of course, and the visit to the cemetery is far less important than having this in the news. And I feel like it's fun to uh, it's it's fun to manufacture the news in such a way that it does work against them. Because it is funny to think that now you have these news sources reporting as though it's it's a concrete fact that Fred Phelps' mother is gay in the afterlife. How surreal is that? And, and it's kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of the, the media turnaround. I'm not sure if that's exactly the kind of press they, they approve of or like. Um, I guess Westboro Baptist seems to think any press is good press. I don't. I'm not exactly sure that that's accurate. I think uh, these are probably some very miserable, lonely people, and um, and uh, they're not doing they're not doing anything positive to their own cause, to their own ends. Have and, you uh, have you ever met or spoke with any of them? No. The thing was, is the idea for this came up when. Uh, after the Boston Marathon bombings, and I was in Boston with uh, with a friend of mine who's also a part of the Satanic Temple, and the Westboro Baptist Church was saying that they were going to picket the funerals of the victims of the bombing, and that was uh, that was very aggravating. And we decided, well, we're going to go. We're going to go, and we're going to see if we can meet these people face to face as a Satanic Temple. And uh, we'd meet them there. So we went and we we waited for them. And uh, there were a lot of Bostonians waiting for the Westboro Baptist Church. And the Baptists uh, had a failure of nerve and decided that they couldn't face that kind of angry mob, which was probably good for their physical safety. But um, we, we decided, it, but they released a statement. They tweeted a Photoshop picture of one of them hovering over the crowd with their anti-gay signs and, you know, God hates fags rhetoric and everything else. And they tweeted some kind of message about how uh, they were there in spirit and they were glad to see that we had all been thinking of them. So we thought, how can we meet them spiritually, but this time on our own terms? So that's when we thought of the pink mask. Yeah, they. Uh, it's good they didn't. I think uh, I've, I have a lot of friends from Boston, and they would have. Uh, I think that was the one time that somebody would have probably finally taken a baseball bat to some of them. <laughs> it's like I, th- I thought it was going to happen uh, at another day. I forget what else they've protested recently, but and they just protest. They protested uh, a year ago. They were protesting the the uh, home run derby. <laughs> I'm like, where? What is the 
I, I, what is the connection? Like, what you're just you're just media hungry whores, really. They are media hungry, and um, but I don't think that necessarily means they should be ignored either. Um, I I do not hold to the Christian value of turn the other cheek, and I I think like for like at the very least is. Uh, is in order for certain things. I, I hope we offended and disgusted Phelps. I hope we caused him consternation. I hope he dies soon, and I hope he has a miserable time when he does. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I. You know, if 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 karma exists, it's it's not going to be good for the because it's like you can't. I just it's, it's strange to me because. Most people gravitate towards spiritual uh, beliefs and religion to, because they're trying to become a better person, and all that comes from them is hate and and I, I think violence. Like it's not direct, actual physical violence, but there's violence within what they do, and it's harmful to, and it probably does spurn spawn other kinds. Well, of... Well, I, I think people are drawn to their religions for different reasons, and I think we see when it comes to priests in the Catholic Church and other things that, and Rick Santorum, that some people are drawn to the Church, I think, due to, due to a certain type of self-loathing and repressed desire, and they see a certain uh, doctrine that they feel will save them from these impulses that they've been conditioned to have such shame in. So I think that's why you find these repressed homosexual factions within... Um, within the the Catholic Church and, and other Christian churches, and uh, I'm sure probably within Scientology and, and the other religions that are explicitly anti-gay, I think um, you'll find people who grew up in, in areas that weren't tolerant towards, towards homosexuality will gravitate towards some of these religions because they think it can, it can reform them or keep them in check or whatever. And, and that kind of thing is... is will wreak havoc on your on your psychology, of course. It'll turn you into a, a Rick Santorum or a Sean Hannity or, or any of these other clearly gay um, individuals. So I think that's where the hate and outrage comes from. Yeah, and now it, I saw another thing that you guys were... You were supporting Rick Scott for governor of Florida, is that correct? No, we weren't supporting him for governor of Florida. We did a rally in defense of his Senate Bill 98, and we we were trying to be quite clear. This is another case where the message kind of gets away from you because uh, you start talking to journalists and they start really editing down to very selective quotes. But we were very clear on the fact that we were supporting only Senate Bill 98 and, uh, and his courage in that case of pushing that through. Because what Senate Bill 98 was, was it allowed for um, inspirational messages in school, essentially allowed for prayer in school. And so we decided that we would just take a very uh, literal uh, perspective on that, and uh, a legalistic perspective, which is that this bill being pushed through was necessarily for all religions. It was for anybody who, you know, any group, minority or otherwise, that would put forward their specific uh, inspirational message. So we decided to look at this in a positive way and 
we determined that, well, now children are allowed to pray to Satan in school. Satanic literature can be brought in. And children who might not be introduced to Satanism otherwise, now we'll have the opportunity for that exposure due to Rick Scott's Senate Bill 98. Now, people have suggested that this was this would definitely be an unintended consequence of the Christian uh, conservative Rick Scott's real agenda, but uh, we decided that, be that as it may, it could serve to our benefit, and we supported it. We wanted people to know we supported it, and that uh, we would plan to take advantage of similar laws in the future. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a lot of people try to spin those kind of... uh... Because when they t- into their favor, like I mean, what what you did is you're using it as a means to, and which it should be. If they're allowed to have Christian prayer, like then why is there not a Satan prayer? Yeah, well, one thing we're doing now is we're collecting uh, information from our membership, and we particularly want to know what county they live in. If you have listeners who would uh, stand up and be willing to identify themselves as Satanists in their county for this cause. Um, the reason is, is that if one of them happens to be in a county where, say, the courthouse has allowed a Ten Commandments monument to be placed there, um, if we have somebody represented in residency in that county, we can assert our right to put a satanic monument at the same courthouse. And if they're going to allow that kind of encroachment into the public square, that's just fine because that's there for everyone, and we will take advantage of that. Now, you said something interesting. If people—when you said—I uh, guess you said if they're strong enough to stand up, or I'm paraphrasing her, but are, are a lot of people afraid to admit there's Satanists in certain parts of the—I mean, is it because it is such a misunderstood— uh, Well, maybe not as many people as should be uh, afraid of that. I mean, I, I feel I fully know what I'm, I'm putting myself up for, what kind of what kind of abuse I might get from this or anything else. I'm, I'm surprised, actually, at the amount of people we've got who unquestionably have unquestionably said, yeah, we'll, we'll stand up for it. And the more people do that, the easier it becomes, for sure. So I wouldn't want to scare them away from that. But just the same, um, it is something uh, I think you and I know can cause you a, a great deal of harm. Um, and bring a, a great deal of prejudice upon you. And that's why when we're doing this and, and as we're doing this, we have to make the message as clear as possible, and we have to get it to as broad an audience as possible, and we have a mission to do nothing less than change the entire culture and how it thinks of this kind of thing before, uh, before we can walk away from this. That's the position we put ourselves in, I think. Do you, do you feel like people are becoming a little bit more accepting of it or more aware or is it still pretty i think now is the time and i think it's actions like the ones we did that will do it um a lot of people are looking at what we did uh, at what we've done so far as being you know merely political statements and uh and humorous theater therefore not real satanism and i'm saying why can't it be both you know why can't somebody make those kinds of statements, organize themselves in this way, and be a quote-unquote real Satanist. But then it begs the question of what is a real Satanist? 
we've defined Satanism on our own terms, but we're completely free to do so because you're going to define them on other terms that are pre-existing. Those are completely made-up terms from witch hunts and everything else. Um, you know, we don't arbitrarily latch on to the aesthetic of Satanism either. That's something that's near and dear to me, although I'm not homicidal, I'm not, uh, I'm not psychopathic, I, I have good will toward people and, and want to bring compassionate works into, into the culture, and I feel like it's important that people realize that, that uh, people like me can feel that way about our social interactions and, and be productive members of society. What was, uh, was there, what, what drew you to Satanism? Actually, well, I grew up in the shadow of the satanic panic. So when I was a kid, there was these stories. You know, uh, Geraldo ran a special and everything else. And it, there's these stories of the of the homicidal roving hordes of Satanists with the mobile crematoriums and all that other kind of thing. And these actually terrified me. And, uh, uh, you know, there's stories that heavy metal music causes... Uh, you know, has hidden satanic subliminal messages and Dungeons and Dragons lead you to suicide and that kind of thing. And, and these things terrified me as a kid. And then I kind of forgot about them. I kind of faded out. And then later on, I started wondering, where did this all go? I, I was remembering these ridiculous stories that had hit the mainstream press. And I, I, it's, it, I was kind of thinking that I must have kind of conflated it in my head as a child. But was there some truth to this idea of satanic cults? I became really interested in the idea of of subcultures, of hidden subcultures. You know, you, you'll hear about serial killers, and you'll hear about, you know, small groups even of, of, uh, of killers or whatever else, usually no more than two. And uh, even then, they usually can't hold together without getting caught sooner at some point. But the idea of a whole hidden society operating outside of the social norms and the morals of of uh, of, of, regu- of regular civilization is that even possible? Could you build an algorithm that would show the limits of that? And you know, some of the satanic panic people who are still around today will point to like Aztec culture and say, "Well, see, they did ritual sacrifice." Yes, but that was mainstream culture when they were doing it. Would people who are uh, raised on this idea that uh, uh, of our own cultural mores are they are, are can you really get a group of people together that are going to hold this conspiracy of silence? And it became more and more apparent that what was being presented at that time just wasn't true at all. And I actually went out looking for the Satanists, you know, to find the truth about about Satanism, and. Uh, of course, there was the Church of Satan, which was already pretty much defunct at this this time. It, it, it still exists, actually, but it's really it's just a website, and they sell uh, they sell membership cards. They don't really do anything, at least not that I can tell. And um, a lot of the conspiracy theorists were saying, well, the the most dangerous cult in the world was the Process Church of the Final Judgment. And I actually went and found the uh, old inner circle membership of of the process and talked to some of them and found a completely different story than the one that was put forward. And from there, from this idea of modern Satanism, I actually dug back to see if there was real Satanism. Um, 
given by reliable historical reports. And what you find there is that there is a certain consistency in hysterical claims, but um, these aren't uncommon anytime you get somebody, some people together and try to get them to come up with the most depraved things they can think of a group of people doing. So when they create an outgroup, whether it be Jews, and it has been Jews at several points, or, or anybody else, often Satanists, there's a certain... Uh, there's a certain catalog of material we go through with things that disgust us. And I uh, illustrated this in a lecture I gave at uh, the Harvard Graduate School of Education on the topic of Satanism, where I asked the people in the audience to re write down on a 3 by 5 card um, the, the five, I think it was, uh, most depraved anti-human activities they could think of. And they were generally uniform, and they fit these allegations of Satanism. Also, you know, and it, it doesn't mean that a group of, because these people came up with a fairly uniform idea of what the ultimate evils are, it just means we're in agreement on that. It doesn't mean that there's a group secretly operating that does these things in the background. So this argument that the, uh, that the reports are fairly consistent really mean nothing because they're only consistent on those broad details. And the history just does not support the idea that there is any unbroken doctrine or tradition of Satanism that extends back beyond 1966. What do you, what do you think that drum, like that scare was all about? Like what was the, was that just sensationalist news or was there actually something? Well, there was a, uh, there was a confluence of factors at that time. And I, I've read a lot about this and researched a lot about it. And there's a movement that still goes on, that still insists on, on putting forward satanic panic ideas, and it still does encroach sometimes into the courtrooms and, and ruins people's lives and everything else. And uh, it's something a lot of people don't realize is just how this still does happen. And that's what makes, you know, our, our project um, importantly. But what happened in the 80s was uh, culture was changing a lot of... Uh, a lot of single parents were now single parents were becoming more the norm in divorced parents and and uh, working parents where both the mother and father were working. So the daycare culture started uh, propping up, and people were worried that children being raised in daycares was uh, was going to destroy the the moral fabric of our culture. And, and who were these people watching over the children? And there was a general cult scare. Um, that was kind of a, a backlash from the 60s and 70s and the Jim Jones cult and everything else. So the idea of cults and, and brainwashing became this big idea also. And you had religious conservatives um, worried about Satan and Satanism as they, as they always are. And you also had these therapists. You had this therapy movement uh, for multiple personality disorder became this big idea. And with multiple personality disorder, it's kind of hinges on this idea that uh, certain traumas are so, so explicitly incomprehensible to the conscious mind that they are repressed. So people can have these buried memories of highly traumatic events. They have no recollection of it, but it causes different types of melees in their in their daily life in other ways. Somebody has trouble holding a job, well, you know, maybe they were molested as a child and, and totally forgot about it. 
this kind of made its way into the culture where people still think that this is actually a fact of psychology, but there's no cognitive science to back this idea up. And you had these, uh, you had some of these therapists um, practicing recovered memory therapies where they would try to draw forth these memories of abuse that had caused these people to have whatever problems they're having today. And uh, this is the same tactic by which people are regressed to recall past lives or by which people um, recall that they were abducted by aliens. It's, it's confabulation. You know, they, they're put into a hypnotic state, and, and they have this general idea of what they're supposed to be remembering. Obviously, there's supposed to be a trauma in the background. It's usually supposed to be a sexual trauma involving incest. Well, as these stories would come out, um, there was also this idea that these recovered memories were of high fidelity. They were sitting in the mind untouched, so they, they must be true. If, if, if these memories were recovered, that alone is evidence of their truth. Their, their veracity is, is, is unimpeachable. Well, they run into these problems where the facts don't match, you know, geographic location, whatever else. If somebody wasn't there when they claimed he was supposed to be molesting somebody or, or whatever. Medical records don't exist. And um, so to explain that away, it becomes a larger conspiracy, you know. So you have these kind of converging factors, and uh, and you just have this huge satanic scare because they had uh, the McMartin preschool case where one kid was claimed to have been molested at the school. And um, it turns out uh, the woman who uh, who was the mother of that child was schizophrenic and had often made these outrageous claims anyway. But the whole idea developed in this uh, hysteria because they then had the kid questioned, really interrogated by these uh, by these unqualified therapists who felt that the, the, the only way to get the truth out of these children was to essentially browbeat them into, into saying that they were molested. I mean, you can watch the tapes on these kinds of cases, uh, McMartin, the Keller daycare case, Gerald Amaral, these types of things. So, And they put forward this idea also that children couldn't possibly make this thing up, but they made the ideas quite clear to the children what they were looking for. So they, they get these outrageous stories of this satanic cult at this McMartin Preschool Center, which couldn't possibly have been true. And, uh, but these, being that you had such a huge social panic, uh, the courts sometimes were cowed into imprisoning people for many years at a time. And, uh, and, and as I said, this kind of thing still happens today. Some, uh, uh, Dan and Fran Keller around a daycare center, and their, their case is still on appeal. They've been in prison. They've been in prison all this time for the exact same type of thing. And uh, you still have people claiming Satanism. You still have these therapists. You still have these pockets of therapists who work in dissociative disorders. Now multiple personality disorder is called dissociative identity disorder in the Diagnostic Statistical Manual. And um, they're still putting out this idea that this satanic ritual abuse exists and is, and is a thing and they really do need a group to counter this to ask them to qualify what they say about satanism 
and who they mean when they're talking about Satanists and how they can just throw that word out there like that as though we all know what they're talking about. And uh, I'm hoping that we can be a proper counterforce to that. Yeah. Is there, what, do you have anything that is next on your agenda? In Any plans to, uh, I don't know, go? Well, I, I, I indicated earlier that we were reaching out to people to know what county they're in. And that, that's part of the agenda for sure. And uh, we also, um, we also want to give our membership um, certain religious exemptions. We're in, the, we're in the process now of incorporating everything else. We have to get that all in order. But we, we want our, our membership to enjoy certain exemptions that we feel are proper for them due to our beliefs. And one of those beliefs is that the body is inviolable, subject to one's own will alone. And um, for that matter, um, we feel that women within the Satanic Temple cannot be... Uh, cannot be imposed upon with uh, with what are those, those aggressive ultrasounds, those internal ultrasounds, that type of thing. Nor can the children be subjected to corporal punishment. Um, we would like to put put out a, uh, a a waiver at the beginning of the school year for anybody who would have a child that, uh, with us that makes the school agree that the child cannot be subject to corporal punishment in places where it's allowed. And I don't know if you realize what a problem corporal punishment still is, but it's, it's savage. It's, it's, it's a savage practice that's still allowed in, in many states over here. And, uh, and we, we have a number of things um, we're in the planning phases for, but I think you get the gist of where we're going with this. Yeah, that's an interesting, what you were saying about the ultrasound, That's an because inter- if it is your religious belief, then they can't impose that on you. Well, and we feel that it was only imposed to begin with due to somebody else's religious belief. Absolutely, yeah. And that, that and part of the message is here is that this, this whole thing cuts both ways, you know. I can't imagine that some of your work is—you've got to be getting some hostile mail <laughs> or or threats. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I always have. You're, yeah, you're surely stirring up this, a pot, and a pot that needs surely needs to be stirred. And I, I've, I meant to follow up on this, but we got carried away on something else. But when you were talking about the adopt a highway, are they could because there's actually a highway, a chunk of highway very close to where I live that is um, by an athe- owned by an atheist organization, not owned, but you know ad- adopted. And did they have? Did you have? Are they saying you can't have a chunk of highway, or is that, I'm assuming you're coming up against a great amount of... Oh, no, no, nobody said we can't yet, but we haven't actually submitted for it yet. We were just raising funds to uh, not only adopt the highway, but for the maintenance of the highway, because we'll have two years of, of maintenance. We, we intend to take that seriously, and we want to be sure we're, we're fully equipped and armed to do that. Um, but we have stated... We, we set up an Indiegogo page for um, for crowdsourced funds to to make the adopted highway a reality. But we've stated that if this money um, uh, this money will go towards the adopted highway, if we're denied adopted highway, it will the money will go towards contesting that decision. Can you do a chunk of Can you do a pink mass on that chunk of the highway so when everybody drives on that mile, they're gay for a mile? 
we, we might have to think about it. I think mass has taken off into being such a big thing that people have made all kinds of requests regarding, you know, variations on the pink mass. Uh, we've had no shortage of messages from people um, suggesting other targets of the pink mass to us. My mom is, uh, she's very conservative Christian, and so when she dies, believe me, I'm going to be calling you for a pink mass because I want my mom getting, <laughs> I, I want my mom getting multi-tagged by lesbians. <laughs> I, I want my mom hit with a strap on. I don't know if that's out of line to say, but that's what I. <laughs> uh, now, if if somebody is listens to this and they're curious about Satanism, and which direction can where can they go to educate themselves properly? Well, we we have a website, thesatanictemple.com. dot com. And we, we, we're very straightforward on where we're coming from there, and, and we do have more to add. We're going to add about the issues we want to specifically take on and things like that. This has all been moving rather fast, but um, I feel like the, uh, the material we have on com is a good primer. And I'll also put up the lecture notes from the Harvard presentation I did on, that, on this site also. So those are... Great points to know where we're coming from, but I, I think it's uh, I think it's important people realize that that's where that's where we're coming from is the core of the group. But we're not trying to take a stranglehold approach onto what is Satanism um, or what what your beliefs should be. Some other groups are, are really hell-bent on, on defining people's beliefs for them because they don't do anything else on an active level. What's important for us is, is our actions and, and, and how we change the culture, how we bring these things into the public sphere and, and add to the dialogue. So though I'm atheistic, if somebody holds on to some kind of theistic perspective of this, that's fine so long as they agree that the organization should be run atheistically, processes should be run atheistically, um, just in the same way science must run atheistically, because you can't stop at a supernatural answer. There's no mechanistic cause for something supernatural, so you've, you've cut yourself out from whatever the answer may be, right? So, I mean, that's an actual, that's kind of a maybe confusing, convoluted response, but um, we are willing to embrace people of all of various perspectives so long as they agree on the basic tenets of uh, compassion, general goodwill, and, and the, the fact that we don't, um, we don't abuse people, we don't advocate uh, sacrifice or anything else. If you do, we want no part of that, but it's really your activities that are your actions and and how you how you go about expressing your religion and and your and your uh, I lost track. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, what where what are your various websites and other forms people can go and find? Well, the SatanicTemple dot com. That's 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 primary. Uh, we have a, a Facebook page for sure, and we do have a Twitter feed that's uh, that's Satanic Psalms, P S A L M S. Satanic Psalms is uh, is our at tag, if you that's how you say it in Twitter language. 
Okay. Well, so follow us there, too, and then that's where our updates come through. Great. Well, uh, thank you very much for taking the time to uh, talk with me. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. I, I hope I didn't get too, uh, uh, too complicated and too, uh, too abstract. But <laughs> no, I didn't think so at all. But I also... Great, great. But thank you very much. Thank you, and uh, you know, check in with me anytime. I'd, I'd be happy to do any follow-up interviews you have. Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends about it. Write a review on iTunes, and you could donate some money because we work here very minimally to bring you these shows. So if you want to donate, you know, a couple dollars, if everybody who listened donated a couple dollars, I'd be a really happy guy. And so would Dustin Marshall, who uh, sacrifices his life greatly to do this show, to produce all of Feral Audio shows. If you can't afford to send money, uh, you can buy stuff through my link on the webpage there uh, and on Amazon, and I get a kickback of that money. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool, right? Get a kickback of that money. Now, I'd be good. I have a, I have a, a thing stuck in my throat uh, uh, from a bean or something. It's like the skin, so I'm having a hard time talking. But, uh, yeah, buy some stuff. Follow me on Twitter, Matt underscore Dwyer on Twitter.com. And uh, thank you very much for listening. I, just, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. Really psyched.
branch of the United States government, it is the mission of the National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.